Morning, Macav. Excited to introduce you to a friend of mine, Vince Bantu, Reverend Dr. Vince Bantu. He is currently a professor at um, Fuller Seminary. Uh, he also started the Meacham School of Hymenot, which exists to bring biblical graduate level theological education to the African-American community, ethnic minority, and low-income communities in a contextualized and affordable manner. And so uh, this brother is a friend. Uh, he and his amazing wife, Dee, and their beautiful girls are folks that we have gone to kick it with and chill with when we were on vacation. Um, but I'll say two things about them because Dee uh, is a great influence in his life. Vince is... Uh, a great voice in Christian thought right now. He helps uh, people understand the beautiful value of blackness and how uh, the, the gospel speaks and celebrates the beauty of people of color. Uh, and so this brother for years has been trying to bridge the divide and help celebrate the beautiful diversity that God celebrates in the scriptures. But personally, he has been a continued voice in my life to challenge me to keep the love, passion, and care for the marginalized at the heart of our MacAv ministry, as he believes it's a vital part of the gospel. And so uh, I'm grateful for Vince in my life, grateful for their family and, and my family's life, and I trust and know uh, that he'll be an encouragement to you this morning, MacAv. Love you all. Well, hello. Uh, good morning, MacAv Community Church. Uh, it's a great uh, honor and blessing to be with y'all on today. And thank you, Pastor Leon, just for that uh, uh, warm welcome. Um, and I uh, want to invite you all, uh, if you have your Bibles, to open them up. Um, I'm pleased to uh, share with you from God's Word on today. Uh, we're going to be reading for our sermon this morning uh, from Matthew chapter 15, uh, from verses 1 until 20, uh, is the passage for this sermon entitled, Keep It Real. And uh, if you have your Bibles, uh, you can say amen. If you don't, you can say hold on, or you can pause the video. And uh, we're going to be reading it from verse 1, where it says, Then some Pharisees and teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem and asked, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. Jesus replied, And why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? For God said, Honor your father and mother. And anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death. But you say that if anyone declares that what, that, that, might, that what might have been used to help their father or mother is devoted to God, they are not to honor their father or mother with it. Thus, you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition. You hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teaching rules. Jesus called the crowd to him and said, listen and understand what goes into a person's mouth does not defile them, but what comes out of their mouth, that is what defiles them. Then the disciples came to him and asked, do you know what the Pharisees were offended when they heard this? He replied, every plant that my heavenly father has not planted will be pulled up by the roots. Leave them. They are blind guides. If the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. Peter said, explain the parable to us. 
Are you still so dull? Jesus asked them. Don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? But the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart, and these defile them. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual morality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what defile a person, but eating with unwashed hands does not defile them. Father God, we thank you, Lord, on today for your holy word. Lord, we thank you that your word is living and active. Lord God, we thank you that it is useful and we thank you that it is our guide. So Holy Spirit, we invite you into this place that you, the living word, would speak into us this morning, that you would encourage us, that you would challenge us, that you would bless us on today, that we would not leave this place the same way we came in, but we would be transformed by the hearing and the application of your holy word. Lord, I thank you for MacAv Community Church. Lord, I thank you for my brothers and sisters in Christ in the D. Uh, and I just thank you, Lord, for this opportunity we have to be with one another, even virtually. And we just give you all the praise, honor, and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, again, it's good to be with y'all uh, today and uh, very, uh, uh, very, very excited to be back, uh, you know, with my, my, my homie, Pastor Leon, going way back. Uh, and uh, his beautiful bride, Rebecca, um, we all go back, my bride as well. Uh, we all, all four of us go back to seminary. And uh, and and yeah, we, we, we've been knowing each other a long time. I remember when they were first planning Mac out, like uh, my wife and I, we came and visited, all four of us hung out, we were kicking it. And, uh, and, 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 you know, it's just such a great honor and blessing to see what God has done and how God has just continued to grow and bless uh, the community of Mac Ave. And so, uh, so it's great to be with y'all. Uh, I'm, I'm also from the Midwest. I live in Houston right now. Uh, Pastor Lee, I mentioned I teach at Fuller, uh, but I, you know, I'm originally from St. Louis, Missouri. And, uh, and, you know, uh, that's, that's where I was born and raised. That's, that's my people. That's my community. And, uh, and, you know, um, it's, you know, similar in a lot of ways, uh, you know, in, in some ways, very similar to kind of things in the D I've heard, uh, things, aspects about the D, especially that, you know, uh, people in the D in Detroit are, are, are kind of about the dress that people don't mess around when it comes to like clothing. And that makes me think about this, this theme and this message that the Lord put on my heart, uh, this idea of keeping it real, uh, because that's something that in St. Louis that also, uh, you know, I remember going back and I'm gonna date myself a little bit right now because, uh, you know, kind of clothing and dress and that kind of thing was also something that was important, uh, where I was coming up and like, you know, having the fresh stuff, having the newest, you know, fits and not, you know, kind of not being played out. Um, but see, I, you know, I grew up in the West side, y'all, and I didn't, uh, you know, you know, we didn't have a whole lot. And so, uh, and again, I'm gonna date myself, but when I was coming up, you know, it was about the guest jeans and the Carl Kanai and the cross colors and the Jabos and the, and the Kangles and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, having the new Jordans. Um, but again, I didn't have it like that. And actually in my neighborhood around the corner from my house, there was a flea market that, uh, that used to sell the knockoff stuff. And, you know, uh, and I used to go get that stuff. I'm gonna keep it, I'm gonna keep it real this morning. I used to get that stuff and, you know, and, and I, you know, started to get a reputation and my friends would joan on me or like they were making fun of me. Uh, and it, it got to the point where they would like, if I came out with a new Carl Kanai or a new, new shirt, new jeans, whatever, my, my friends would, they'd be like, okay, Vince. And then they would come up and they would look at the tag. Cause sometimes some of that knockoff stuff, it'll say like the name brand on the, uh, you know, on the front, but then like, you know, the tag would say Hanes or something like that. And be like, oh, you, okay. You ain't, you ain't slick. You got the, you got the knockoff stuff, right? You don't got the real, um, but, you know, it just kind of, you know, uh, kind of, you know, maybe think about the ways in which, uh, you know, keeping it real, you know, uh, is like is a, is a very much a, a hood kind of, a, you know, part of urban culture. Then people are are are, um, you know, well cued into what the real is and what the fake is. 
and and keeping it real is a, uh, is a is a phrase that we use. And especially, again, from my generation, but I don't know uh, nowadays. You know, I guess it's about being woke. You know, which I'm I'm you know I like that too. But um, but you know, yeah, keeping it real is is an important value. And uh, and and also, you know, people can recognize the fake. And uh, it makes me think of the Chappelle show, <laughs> you know, uh, we keep it real goes wrong, but it's like such a, you know, it's such an important value. Um, and I think that it's also important for us as believers. And, um, you know, I think that uh, when I think about, you know, the idea of keeping it real, the concept of keeping it real, uh, I think that's so important, especially as it regards to us as believers, and especially in the moment we're living in to these days, uh, especially in 2020. Um, you know, I mean, this, 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 this is rough, like this, this stuff, man, it's, this is, a, this is a rough year, y'all, um, you know, and I had to represent today, you know, uh, because, man, uh, you know, like Chadwick Bozeman, you know, I mean, literally just yesterday and um, and then, you know, uh, man, just like uh, I mean, I was, I was honestly watching Black Panther with my, my wife and my daughters earlier today and we were just kind of mourning in that kind of way. And I mean, it's just like, can this get any worse? I mean, my goodness. Um, this is a rough year, y'all, and we got to lament that. And then, you know, on top of that, we got, you know, uh, on top of and that and the pandemic and, uh, you know, Kobe, but, you know, also we're just having, you know, kind of, it's being, you know, more kind of elevated. It's not like it's happening more, but it's being more kind of putting more attention on just the systemic racism that black people have to deal with, you know, across the, across the country and across the world, really. And now we're seeing things going off in Wisconsin and seeing brothers getting, you know, getting shot. Um, you know, and then, uh, then on the flip, you're seeing, you know, young white teenagers, you know, coming in, killing people and, and walking away, uh, free. And it's just, it's crazy. I mean, it's just like a, it's a crazy time, but especially as, you know, we, as the church, uh, as God's people, you know, how, how, what is our role and how do we fit into those, this whole thing? It's, it's even, you know, in some ways it might even be more of a, of just a, an opportune and an important time for God's people to stand up and to keep it real. Um, you know, and, uh, and to really represent the fullness of the gospel. And so, you know, what the Lord really laid on my heart uh, on today is really to provide a, a challenge and also an encouragement, um, you know, for those of us at MacAv. Because, see, MacAv is like such a, again, I remember, you know, uh, you know, my wife and I, we've been knowing uh, Leon and Rebecca for a long time. And I remember when they went to, you know, start that church. And, and it's just such a, you know, it's a powerful community of all, what, uh, what I mentioned, like all of God's justice and all of God, of the gospel, right? Of a, of a, of a community of believers that are standing up for the truth of scripture and, and, and also, uh, you know, kind of uh, righteous living and discipleship and also justice and, and racial reconciliation, like all of that stuff. Uh, such a beautiful, you know, um, uh, such a beautiful witness to uh, to God's clear blueprint for his people in his holy word. Um, but I, I feel like, you know, it, it might unfortunately actually be an exceptional uh, kind of community where it's uh, maybe not always the norm. And especially now, you know, like I said, in this moment we find ourselves in um, as a nation and really in the world, uh, this historical moment is one where, again, issues of justice are being brought to the forefront Um but here's the here's the bad thing. Here's the sad news in my estimation is that, you know, for example, this movement that we're living in, unlike the civil rights movement of the 60s, um, which came out of the church, this movement that we're in right now uh, is not it, it really didn't start in the church. Um, it really and in many ways, uh, there's like some tension between, you know, Black Lives Matter and the church. And I mean, you know, you can understand why, because you even have, uh, you know, so-called Christian leaders 
that are even putting out statements saying like, well, you know, uh, you know, I don't want to say Black Lives Matter or that, even if they have issues with the organization, it's like, you know, should we say things like that? And I mean, the fact that that's even a question, right? Uh, that we as believers who stand on the word of God, the very word that says in Song of Songs 1 and 5, I am black and beautiful. Do not despise me, O daughters of Jerusalem, because I am dark. Like that, that this is our holy word. And yet we, you know, might have an issue with saying Black Lives Matter and standing up for that, 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 uh, that idea and that concept um, and really uh, being out in the forefront, no matter, you know, kind of in, in the variety of ways that that can look like. Um, that 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 really hasn't been happening as much. And I think the time is so ripe and so opportune for God's people to really, um, you know, to really kind of uh, grab a hold again of, you know, movements for justice and for uh, true shalom, healing and peace and wholeness in our community, but on the authority of the word of God, because at the same time, there are many people who are um, out in the streets that are crying out for justice, but that are lost because they haven't been made right with God through faith in Jesus Christ. And, and you know, many of them are, are distant from the church and from the word of God and from Jesus. And we have to really reach them as well. But again, a lot of them have, you know, valid ways of, or, you know, senses of feeling unspoken up for or un you know, kind of uh, unrepresented. And, you know, I think that, again, that's that's part of the reason why it's so important for those of us in the church to to be that that advocate and that voice for the marginalized and for, as Pastor Leon was mentioned earlier, for the, the least of these, right? Because Jesus made it clear that how we treat the least of these is exactly a reflection of how we treat him. Um, and so, you know, um, you know, I, the the last the last kind of group that I wonder if maybe even uh, some of us today are even really kind of might have this experience. Something that I've you know shared or something I've experienced is is you know this is something that is a is a group that's really just kind of growing uh, that the Lord is really just growing my heart for is like people who are believers but who are really concerned and really passionate about justice for the least of these, and yet be, and, and it's like the deeper they go into their passion for justice the more they get distance from the church which is crazy like but y'all know what i'm talking about like like i've straight up met people who have like like it's like their passion for justice has like seemingly led them away from the gospel and that's crazy because Jesus is the author of justice. He's the one, Jesus is uh, the source of justice. Jesus is the one that puts uh, racism and injustice to death on the cross. Uh, and he's the author of justice. And so, and so it's crazy to me that like, I mean, that would be like someone saying, I love the Bible so much that I want to stop going to church, you know, uh, you know, but I mean, you can understand, like, if he was going to a church that never read the Bible, that never cracked open the Bible, then it's like, you know, you know, I mean, you know, what's going on here? But that's how a lot of people feel, and rightly so, because when there's issues, when you have a Jacob Blake who's gunned down in front of his children, you know, how many churches don't speak on it? Or if they do speak on it, it's always kind of a victim blaming game of like, well, you need to learn how to respect authority and, and, and blah, blah, blah. And so it's like, it's, it's, it's kind of understandable. But again, when we look at scripture, justice is at the core, right? Of, I mean, Isaiah 1 says, seek justice, defend the cause of the oppressed. Um, you know, I mean, you know, uh, you know, I, you know, again, like all over the, the prophets it's saying like, I'm tired of your solemn assemblies, right? Um, but it tells us to like seek justice and shalom for the orphan, the widow, the stranger, the poor. Like these are the people that God is, this is, this is a part of what it means to be a Christian. Um, but unfortunately, it's so much to the point that, that there are expressions of the church, you know, or what sometimes passes as the church that are more well-funded, that are more prominent, that are more uh, kind of like, you know, uh, leaders that are more kind of, um, 
you know, seen as representing bigger platforms. And so people have this image of, of the church as a place that really doesn't care about justice. And it's understandable why they would think that. Um, and so, but again, we have to help people understand that that's not the real and we need to keep it real. Those of us that understand the fullness of scripture, we have to keep it real. And, and, uh, and here's the specific thing that really, uh, the Lord has really put in my heart is that, you know, I feel that there may be, uh, some of us again, who are feeling kind of like almost torn between like, you know, my identity as a Christian and my identity as someone who's really passionate about justice. And somehow we don't see those things coming together. And so th again, that's why I'm so grateful for communities like Mac Ave and people like Pastor Leon, where, where we are standing in the gap and representing the fullness of the, go of the gospel, right? Of, of a gospel of truth and the Lordship of Jesus Christ and justice for the oppressed and the marginalized, uh, you know, on, on Mac Ave and in Houston and in St. Louis and everywhere else. Um, and we have to really stand up for the real uh, and, and keep it real because the fake, the knockoff, uh, the janky version is actually more is more prominent and more out there. Right. Um, but we have to really uh, I think that's that's why, you know, uh, I want to encourage folks today that might feel torn in that way that like you are not crazy, <laughs> that you are not, you know, um, you know, if you feel like, you know what, my commitment to Jesus and my faith in Jesus actually leads me into saying Black Lives Matter. And, and it actually leads me into striving for immigration reform. And it actually leads me deeper into fighting for women's rights or, uh, and so on and so forth. That, that is, you are not crazy. Uh, you know, again, there are straight up like statements being put out there that are saying like, uh, you know, social justice has nothing to do with the gospel. Um, and, and, I'm, and I'm sorry, but that's heresy. <laughs> that's just as much heresy as saying that, you know, I, and I, I deal with this as a seminary professor, mind you, uh, in, in academia, like I'll meet people who straight up teach in seminaries and who straight up like will say uh, that they're, you know, they're a theologian, but they don't believe in Jesus. And I'm like, well, that's crazy. Like, how are you going to say you a Christian, but you don't believe in the Bible as the word of God? Like that, that'll make no sense. Like that's heresy. Um, but it's, it's equally heresy to say like, oh, I'm, I'm a Christian, but I don't believe justice is a part of the gospel. Like that's, that's craziness. Right. And that's not the real. And so we have to keep it real. And that's exactly what Jesus did in this passage. And again, um, you know, uh, Jesus, you know, he kept it real. And he also called out the fake. <laughs> he, he pulled that tag back and said, that's the knockoff version, right? In verse one, it's saying the Pharisees and teachers of the law. Now we know when they come up in the gospels constantly, you know, these are people that are often negatively characterized as being, you know, hypocritical, you know, deceitful, greedy, uh, oppressive, you know, type of people. But they were the face of the religious institution, right? They were the ones that the people, the, the regular folk were looking to to represent the, the you know, the temple and, and the Hebrew religious cult. And so they were the, they were like the, you know, they were the biggest face of, of you know, of, of religion or, you know, or, or temple in their time. So for Jesus to challenge them, that's like, that's crazy because, you know, that's like almost like throwing a pebble in, a, in, a, in an ocean because uh, they were so, they were so prominent, especially because so many people that Jesus was talking to was in the hood, you know, they didn't have access. They might, might've been illiterate. And so they were basing stuff on kind of the, you know, the oral traditions that the Pharisees had been coming up with. Right. And one of those was you got to wash your hands before you eat. Right. Now washing your hands is a good idea, but you know, it ain't nothing in the old Testament about if you don't wash your hands, it's going to defile your food or, you know, you're going to be unclean. And the Bible's, you know, Torah don't mess around when it comes to clean and unclean. Right. We read Leviticus 11 and we read, you know, uh, Deuteronomy 14, like there's all kinds of regulations, but ain't nothing in there about wash your hands before you eat. So this was an added on thing that it's like, it's cool. That's a good idea to do. But, you know, they were putting it on like as like a spiritual defilement, as in like you will be spiritually defiled. 
And so they're saying, why don't you, you know, why don't your disciples, the Pharisees are saying, why don't your disciples honor the tradition of the elders? Notice they said the elders and not the Torah or the word of God, because it was a human made thing. Jesus replied, he, he, he knew their hypocrisy and he put it back on them and said, well, why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? And he basically called him out saying, the, you know that the Torah says, honor your father and mother. But, and we see more of the context of what was going on, that clearly there were people in the Pharisaic context and in Israel context that were, had, they had resources that they were trying to over here say, oh, this is like Corbin. This is like, you know, this is devoted to God. This, I, I you know, I had, I got these resources that I could be using to help my mama and my daddy, uh, you know, that are struggling, but I can't do that because it's devoted to God. So Jesus is saying, y'all are hypocrites because, you know, you could, you actually have resources that you're sitting on and you're saying that that's your personal property. They're saying that, that, that belongs to you and is devoted to God. But act, so actually you are breaking God's command for the sake of your tradition. And notice how Jesus is juxtaposing like the human tradition with the command of God. Right. And so, uh, so he, and he's basically connecting it back to Isaiah saying like already in Isaiah chapter 29, uh, that you're honoring me with your lips, uh, you know, but your heart is far from me. Right. And then I love how it says, you know, uh, in verse 10, it juxtaposes again, these Pharisees, these leaders, and then the crowd, right? These are the hood folk. These are the folks, these are the folk on Mac Ave. These are the folk in, you know, North Houston. This is the people that Jesus was with. These are the people who are feeling disenfranchised, that are feeling marginalized, that are dealing with injustice, and they're having the religious institution represent kind of the interests of those in power. And Jesus is coming up in there and saying, y'all, y'all fake, you know, y'all are, y'all are, y'all got it twisted. And then he goes into the hood, he goes into the crowd and he comes up and he comes into there and he, he sets the record straight. And so really, I think we, we can learn a lot from in the day and age that we're living in on how Jesus was handling things. That number one, he came in and he set the record straight and he basically, he called out fake religion for what it is, especially like, you know, uh, you know, kind of religion that sets itself up as authoritative, but really it's, it, it's, it's, it's in the interest of like kind of protecting the interests of the most powerful that number one, Jesus got up in that and he called that stuff out. And then number two, what he did, he got up in the hood. He, he was mixing up with the, with the marginalized, the poor, the, 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 the low income people, the, the, the people in Galilee. And he went up in there and he also was, you know, uh, you know, standing up for them and also setting the record straight. He said in verse 11 that, no, it's not about what goes into your mouth, uh, but it's about what comes out. Right. And then here's the thing, too. This is what I love. Verse 12, the disciples were like, hey, Jesus, you know, you kind of offended uh, the Pharisees. Right. And he was and then he didn't even like trip. He was just like, actually, he, he, he made it. He made it work. He, he made it even more offensive. He said, well, every plant that my father has a plant is going to be uprooted. Right. And so and, you know, Israel was used to like, you know, kind of seeing themselves as an analogy of a plant. Right. That's in Isaiah. That's, you know, all you know, it's in the Psalms. Like there's always this theme. And Jesus uses it in John as well. Like this idea of God's people as a plant. And he's saying that, like, you know, if it's not a plant from the father, they're going to get uprooted. And so he says, leave them. They're blind guides. Right. And so this is the other thing that I want to encourage us with, because I see so again, I see so many people that are like allowing false representations of the church to ruin Jesus for them. Like y'all met anybody like that who like is an ex-Christian or a post-Christian or like a, you know, people that ain't going to church no more, but they're like, I mean, y'all, there are straight up like, you know, you probably know about, you know, you probably might know people that do this, but there are straight up people who have like, you know, kind of church breakfast clubs or like not even church for real, but like kind of, you know, brunch groups or inner, you know, Zoom groups or different things like that. People who are deeply concerned about justice and they are tired of going to church because they don't hear about it in church. They don't, they don't hear uh, and see a, again, a holistic theology. Like what, like what we would see at Mac Ave, which is, like I said, unfortunately, I think maybe more of the exception than the rule for church in 2020. And so 
again, you know, uh, there's, and, and I, I see this even as a seminary prof, for real, I, I will have people that are like, I just, you know, I don't, I'm not going to church because I'm not seeing the church standing in the gap, you know, for the marginalized. And so, and, and, and a lot of times too, people will, we, we sometimes will sometimes lose our hair over like trying to contend with, with people like people who say these heretical things like, well, just doesn't have nothing to do with, with, you know, with the gospel. We don't need, you know, um, and when people are, I mean, again, that's a, that's an oppressive kind of like perversion of the gospel that really goes back to Emperor Constantine, right? This idea in the fourth century of like a, of like a, a, a an expression of religion that's, that's again, in the interest of kind of the dominating you know, systems of power. And that just kind of goes through with like, you know, the crusade or the, you know, Carolingian persecution, the crusades, you know, translating slave trade and European colonial missions. And then, you know, even today now, right? Like you have like this, you know, we still have an, uh, a very dominant, powerful expression of so-called Christianity that, you know, wants to build walls and keep, you know, black and brown folks locked up and, and, you know, churches that, you know, run away from, you know, kind of low income communities, or they come back and gentrify them and push poor people out. And, you know, and, and, and there's all these these kinds of injustices and people are people are you know losing their hair over like trying to contend with folks and trying to you know and and and, and here's the thing um you know like and this might be kind of you know like a, a like kind of maybe a different you know or unfamiliar idea but you know there comes a time to keep it stepping and there's a lot of folks that you know are even you know kind of alleged to be religious authorities that like, you know, it, it's, it might be just sometimes time to keep it stepping. Um, now, you know, that's like, again, not always the case, um, you know, because again, there are many Pharisees, you know, there are many examples in the scriptures of even Pharisees who they come around, right? Nicodemus, you know, he came to Jesus at night at first. He tried to keep it on the down low, but he came around and he even like was helping uh, to bury Jesus with Joseph Arimathea. And then you get Gamaliel in, in Acts, you know, chapter five, who's a Pharisee who, who uh, advocates for the believers. And so, you know, again, you never know, like, uh, and so I, all, I just add that to say that, like, you know, it's just, you know, keeping it in balance, right? Um, that yes, there are times where we, you know, and there are books that are out, there are conferences that are out, there are resources in the body of Christ to try to appeal to brothers and sisters who are kind of, you know, lost in that kind of thinking. But, um, but at the same time, on the other side of that, sometimes we've got to know when to be like, you know what, like, I'm gonna just keep it stepping, I'm gonna keep it moving. Um, because there are people in the crowd that Jesus is dealing with that that really need this kind of uh, this kind of inspiration, this kind of like, and this and also this reframing of what it means and what it looks like, right? Because they couldn't get it. You know, he, Peter said, explain the parable, and he's like, are you still so dull? The the Greek word Jesus uses there for dull is actually kind of related to like literally like like a heathen, like a un, someone who's unreligious, somebody who, and it's kind of ironic because Jesus is like he's actually critiquing the religious like kind of ritual of purity and 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 he's actually ironically critiquing it by saying that people are unreligious because they're being so religious and they're being so caught up in this ritual of like washing the hands and that they're they're like 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 spiritually dull is what he means um and he had to come and enlighten them that's another word that it can mean is unenlightened he had to enlighten them and say like you know it's not about what goes into the mouth but it's about what comes out and he breaks it down adultery uh sexual immorality you know false testimony slander these are the things that make someone unclean not what you eat and we see that also in acts 10 and further on that you know and this that was a paradigm shift for the hebrews right and the first believers who were hebrew that wait a minute we can actually eat some of these things and like it's not that's not what it's about but jesus said i can't even fulfill the law right and so in the same way we as believers have to be among the people and really reframe this whole thing. I remember, you know, going to um, 
you know, and this is just one way of doing it. It's not like this is the only way, but I remember going to a lot of the protests that started in May and June, and I'd be out there, like, you know, you know, me and some other pastors and, and other people, we'd be out there with Bible verses, and, you know, we'd be out there chanting Black Lives Matter. There's some things that they were saying, we're like, all right, I ain't saying that, you know, I ain't, you know, I ain't saying F nobody, but, um, you know, like there were other things where we were saying, like, uh, you know, having Bible verses out, talking about the Lord upholds the, the cause of the oppressed. Um, and, uh, and, you know, and, and just, you know, even the fact that we were like channeling the word of God, but in a cause of justice, like it, we, you know, it, it was amazing to see the effect that it had on many of the activists who again had this perception of like, oh, Christianity in the church is like, is, is un, you know, concerned with our issues. Right. Um, and again, I think that there is a, a valid critique that we need to take, uh, and really internalize and repent of. Right. Um, uh, I mean, I, I would relate it to, honestly, we're having like a societal, uh, we're seeing, you know, and technology helps us to see it more and more. We're seeing these examples of societal abuse. And another area that honestly we, you know, and many of us in the church needs to get better is in uh, domestic abuse, right? Um, that in the same ways, you know, research shows that in situations of domestic abuse, people often don't see the church as a place they can go to and as a place where they can really be uh, heard, especially. And honestly, this is the, this is the scary thing, y'all. This is the really scary thing is that you know, studies show that that uh, in situations of domestic abuse, the abuser is actually more likely the person who goes and seeks asylum in a church more and more than the victim actually is. Right. The victim actually is less likely to go to a church to seek help. Right. And so, again, we have to reframe what it means to be a Christian and what it means to be a follower of Jesus as like. Uh, and now, again, you know, like with domestic abuse, of course, the goal is for families to be whole and to be biblical and to be safe and healthy and 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 unified. Um, and but at the same time, when we're when we see situations of abuse, right? Uh, when we see you know kind of uh, like a, 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 a dominant culture having its knee on the neck of you know the marginalized in a community, we we yes, we want all of us to live in harmony and peace. But we are not going to like brush under the rug or try to keep it a secret or protect the sensibilities of the person with the knee on the neck. But we got to keep it real. And we also have to protect and provide shelter and protection and safety and empowerment for the person who's being abused, the most marginalized of them. Right. And that's what Jesus is doing. And he doesn't have any problem offending the Pharisees. Right. And that doesn't mean we go out and intentionally try to hurt people's feelings uh, or be speaking in our flesh. But at the same time, like this is the part where, you know, I, I, again, this is where I, I just have this sense that that might be part of the reason why so many people are leaving the church because of their love of justice in the, the church should be the place where they should be able to flourish in their love of justice and their commitment to justice. And that because, again, God is the author of justice. His concern and heart for justice is all over this holy word right here. And so, again, what I'm really seeing in here is that, you know, I'm seeing really kind of three uh, you know, kind of like strategies that Jesus is taking is that number one, he's calling out, he's calling out fake religion. He's like, that's not the real, right? He's, he's, he's lifting up the tag and he's saying, that's not the real brand right there. That's the knockoff version. Right. And I mean, you know, sometimes the knockoff version is more prominent, right? I mean, here's another example, right? You might be in a town, uh, in America where if you Google or look up Mexican food, you will probably get more, depending on where you're at, you know, and not in North Houston, but, you know, depending on where you're at, uh, or maybe not Mexican town up there in the D, but depending on where you're at, more often than not, if, if you're in the United States and you look, if you're in, a, in a, any given town and you look up Mexican food, Mexican restaurant, you're probably going to get Taco Bell, Cadoba, 
Chipotle, all that kind of stuff. Now, somebody living in that town might be like, oh, that's what Mexican food is, right? Because there's more of the Taco Bells. They got more billboards. They got more, you know, online presence. And somebody might think, oh, that's what that's what real Taco Bell, that's what real Mexican food is, right? But we all know that's not real Mexican food. They don't got no chilaquiles up in there. They don't got no flautas up in there. They don't got no menudo up in there. That ain't real Mexican food. That's the fake, right? That's the knockoff version. That's not the real. And you might have one actual in that town where there's maybe 10 Taco Bells and Chipotle's. There might be one actual real Mexican restaurant up in there that's doing the real. And it might not be as, you know, uh, you know, well funded or well put together. They might not have as much, you know, support or presence as the fake versions. Right. But that doesn't make it any less real. And that's actually the real. If you want the real Mexican food, you, that's where you're going to go. And in the same kind of way, we have to, you know, we have to, just like Jesus does, we have to call out the fake stuff and say, no, 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 that's not what it is. That's blind guides, right? Um, and, and actually, it's, it's, it's hypocrisy, and it's not actually fulfilling the law that Jesus did fulfill and complete uh, in his own person, in his, in his crucifixion and resurrection. And then number two is we got to go be with the crowd, y'all. We got to go be among them. One of my biggest ministries is really trying to reach out to, like, uh, you know, folks in the black community who have rejected the gospel because they see it as a white man's religion, like Hebrew Israelites or Kemetic, uh, you know, or, you know, five percenters, it, all these different groups, right, that like all have that in common. They see Christianity as a white man's religion, so they've, they've like, you know, walked away from it, right? Now, here's the funny thing, is that historically, we know <laughs> that churches like Macab and churches like, you know, uh, in the black community, black churches, have been at the cornerstone, have been at the at the center of providing resources for the black community. I mean, like, let's just keep it real. Like, where the, where the Hebrew Israelite, you know, preschools at? Where the comedic, uh, you know, hospital clinics at? Where the where the five percent or, or nation of Islam, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, like food pantries and shelters at? Like, black church is killing the game on providing resources, right? But here's the thing. Yet, that does not stop the fact that there are many people who are leaving the church and going into these false ideologies. Why? What are they What are they getting? Because it's clearly not resources because they're not, you know, black churches are still the, the number one institution in the black community. Um, what are they getting? I would, I would submit that what they're hungry for and what they are getting in some of these other places that they're still not getting from the church is a sense of prophetic engagement and really pro like denouncing boldly denouncing like Jesus does without fear of offending or or you know kind of protecting the sensibilities of the abuser they they are you know you can go to some of these different you know cultic groups and they will just be very i mean uh, and to an ungodly extent be very like militant and angry and all that and a lot of a lot of disenfranchised folks want that they just want to see and feel and hear that their pain is being is heard and being expressed but guess what y'all we have the tools to do that sometimes we don't think about that because we think that you know as christians we're you know that that everything's supposed to be gentle and, and and sweet all the time but we forget that there's also another side of jesus and there's another side of the, the prophets and the scriptures that's prophetic and that that's, that's that's up in people's face, especially systems that are unjust. And we have the resources of the Holy Spirit to do it, and, and, and we're not picking those up. And so, you know, I want to encourage us to do that, to pick those things up, to be with the people. And that's the third one is to reframe what this whole thing looks like, right? To reframe it, um, you know, to go out there and, and you know, even if... Uh, you know, I mean, we can say Black Lives Matter, uh, even though that particular this movement we're in didn't start from the church. Um, but, you know, again, a lot of them, 
uh, you know, have lost trust with us. We can go out in the community and we can reclaim it and we could put, you know, we could put Bible verses to it. We could say Jesus says black lives matter. And so we can, we can, uh, that's, that's what God is really calling us to do. I was at, I, you know, speaking of the, some of those different, uh, you know, communities that I engage with, I was actually doing a, you know, kind of a public uh, interfaith debate. Uh, you know, it's on, on YouTube and, and we were debating about this Christian, a white man's religion. It was a brother who's in a, who leads one of these, you know, kind of like, you know, uh, comedic religions or whatever. And in that, in that, uh, in that debate, you know, I was like, you know, going in, I, the first thing I said was, look, I'm, I want to make something clear. I'm here to represent the gospel of Jesus Christ. I am not here to represent like this, you know, kind of oppressive expression of what's passing for Christianity that's been around for 1700 years now that has been in favor of slavery, in favor of mass incarceration, in favor of re redlining and gentrification. Like that is not what, that's not, that's a whole different thing. <laughs> that's a different religion. I'm not a part of that. That's, I'm a part of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, you know, uh, and, you know, like, and, and it's crazy. There was actually people who like, you know, who were in that particular religion. They were like, I've never heard somebody like represent the gospel like that. I didn't, you know, because you, they're used to people always being defensive and trying to kind of, you know, defend like, you know, just honestly straight up messed up expressions of the church. And so again, like, you know, it, I just I just want to encourage us because I feel like, again, there might be many people who are thinking that they're crazy or that like their their passion for Jesus and the gospel and their passion for justice don't go together um, or who are, you know, feeling kind of locked in to, you know, thinking that we can't move forward until kind of like, um, you know, other people get on board or get it. And I guess, you know, what I want to encourage you today is, number one, you are not crazy. Um, that Jesus is the author of justice and that he completes the law. He clarifies, reframes, and, and fulfills the law in his own person. And he does so with, the, with a priority on the most oppressed, on the crowd, on the marginalized, on people on Mac Ave, people in the hood, that that, 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 that is who Jesus does. And he, he critiques oppressive expressions of religion. And he 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 throws it under the bus. He's like, that stuff, that's not, that's fake. Right? That's blind guys. Like, leave. And so that's why I also want to encourage that there, there, there comes a time uh, where we have to just kind of leave that stuff and be like, you know what, that's, you know, I'm gonna have to leave that. And and when that, you know, when that moment comes, I, you know, I can't say, but I just want to encourage somebody on today that, um, you know, sometimes we might like kind of be beating our head against a wall, uh, you know, when when you might have expressions that are just like clearly dedicated to staying uh, in kind of oppressive systems. And that's, you know, and, you know, if God, you know, God will make it clear, the spirit will guide us on when to kind of stay and continue to contend and when to kind of like keep it moving and be like, all right, I got to keep it stepping uh, like Jesus told them to do. Um, but again, I think that the reason for that, though, is not out of apathy or, or hatred or anything like that. But again, because we have so many people in the crowd, we have so many people in the crowd that are hurting and the crowd of Mac Ave, the crowd of North Houston, the crowd of the, the hurting, the marginalized, the unheard. There are so many people that are wondering, does God care about what I'm going through? Does God care or does the church care about the ways that I'm being abused and, 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 uh, and you know, um, you know, stereotyped and 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 policed and stopped and incarcerated and redlined and and you know, absentee landlords and unjust school system. Like, does God care? Does the church care? And we know that He does. And and again, y'all are already you know, MacAv is already a, a powerful testimony to this. And so I want to encourage you in that today that that this is the this is the true vision of what the gospel is. This is the real. And so we have to keep it real. 
um, and, and understanding that even though there might be, you know, more, <laughs> more kind of presence of like sometimes the knockoff version, uh, that the knockoff version might even be have bigger buildings and bigger budgets and all that kind of stuff. Um, that again, the real is right here at the beginning of the, of the church. And look what Jesus did. You know, sometimes we think, oh, we need that funding or we need these resources. I'm like, you know what? When it comes, when you have a Gamaliel or a Nicodemus, yes, we're going to partner. We're gonna, we're, we are one. When you have a Zacchaeus who's ready to repay <laughs> what, do you, what what's owed, then it's like, yes, salvation has come to that house. And we're, we're, we're brothers and sisters in Christ. All colors, all economic backgrounds, all political parties, all that. We're one in Christ, in Christ Jesus. Uh, we can work together. Um, and at the same time, look what God did. Uh, look, look at how God changed the world 2000 years ago through a small group of men and women that was from the hood of Galilee that with no money, no resources, but they was committed to the real and they were keeping, they was keeping it real. And God did an amazing thing through them. Um, and, and God is going to do and is doing amazing things through you at Mac Ave. Um, and, and, and I'm just so grateful to be linked up in the same kingdom cause, even over here from Houston, that we're part of the same cause. And so I thank you. And, and I thank Pastor Leon. And it's just uh, such a blessing to be with y'all on today. And uh, let me just pray for y'all right quick as we close out. Father God, we thank you so much, Lord, um, that in you, Lord God, we find the real, that we find who we really are. Uh, that in you, we are able to reject the lies of the enemy about who the enemy is saying we are and who, the, you know, worldly systems are saying we are, but we find out who we truly are in you, Lord God. And we thank you, Lord, that we have a true understanding and a vision of what justice is, of what wholeness is, of what shalom is and how that lived out, Lord God. Lord, you said to, through Moses to Pharaoh, let my people go so that they may worship me. Lord, we know that right worship and, and social liberation, that they all go together, Lord God. But we know that that's not exactly the the um, the dominant picture of the church right now. We have to keep it real about that. Um, but Lord God, we thank you, Lord, that who you are and who we are in you is bigger than any misconceptions or misperceptions or misconstruals, um, Lord God, that we know who we are in you. And we know what true shalom, Lord God, of right relationship with you and right relationship with one another, that all that comes together in you, Lord God. So we thank you for that. We thank you that even though this is a this has been a very hard week, uh, and this has been a hard summer, this has been a hard year, Lord God, we thank you nonetheless because you are still good. You are worthy, Lord God. You are worthy of all the praise, and you're worthy of our trust. You're worthy of our lament right now, Lord God. So we thank you that you're with us. Thank you for your presence, Lord God, in this year and on today. And we give you all the praise, honor, and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless y'all.